Hey, everybody, it's the Milk Chocolate Bunny episode. But first up, a timely razor-torial. The tortoise and the hare is apropos, obviously, with the hare or rabbit involved. And it's a lovable and moralistic children's story. But the lesson is not so much slow and steady wins the race, which most of you believe. No, no, no. What you should glean from it is don't be arrogant and lazy. Don't be arrogant and lazy. Mike? I agree. It's a great lesson. Well, I look at it. I hope everyone had a happy Easter with lots of chocolate, etc. And I'd like to welcome you to another week of Rinky Dinking, the official Stars broadcast, podcast, telecast, all the castings, brought to you by the greatness of Duncan. And I was told by our producer, Jeff Totes, today that this is, in fact, our 77th episode of Rinky Dinking. We skipped past the 75th, which is the normal way to do this thing. But this is what we're, we're dubbing the... The Pierre Turgeon, uh, Matthew Barnaby episode of Rinky Dinky. Only two players ever to wear 77 for the stars. There you have it. There you have it. Did you boys paint any hard-boiled eggs? That's not a euphemism. Not a <laughs> euphemism. Did you guys paint any hard-boiled eggs for Easter? You know, it's funny, Razor. Right? Your daughters are often away now. We did nothing. I mean, I went over and, and with my uh, to my in-laws and... Had a little bit of Easter stuff there, but like, I mean, stuff we used to do with kids, we don't do anything anymore. We don't dress up the house. We don't, you know, do any Easter baskets. It's, it is a little bit weird when the kids uh, leave the home. Hmm. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, both of my daughters home for Easter Aww, weekend. That's sweet. Isn't that sweet? They surprised yeah. me and came home, both of them. That is very nice. Yeah. So we got hammered on red wine. That's how we would do Easter now. Instead of <laughs> and then started looking for eggs. Instead of a fun-loving Easter egg hunt. Crawling on the floor. Your dad just got up and said, I'm going to leave some Easter eggs in the other room now, girls. <laughs> uh, how about you, Totsi? No? Just yep. Similarly, we... Uh, Take it, a COVID test during it? Is that what you kind of did? Got a, a COVID test. COVID tests. Pre-game meal and then a game at... PNC Arena in Raleigh. Yeah. Pretty standard Easter. That's you know. as Easter as it goes right there. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of COVID, uh, and I'm, I have the Texas Rangers home opener on in the background as I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> Apparently, COVID is over here in Texas. It is not a thing anymore. Uh, it was certainly a thing in Carolina on the weekend. Uh, this, this virus... Uh, it's it's haunting the National Hockey League again. By the way, I am half immortal right now, full uh, immunity on the 20th. Razor Boy's moving that way. Uh, so my, I guess my first question is, what's up with the Carolina testing? Did, did Andre Sekera test positive there too earlier this season? Yes. And now Hadobin did, and then obviously Rick Bonus. Mid game yesterday, all in Carolina. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Well, there are worse spots to exist than the Umstead in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> if you are going to have to quarantine, but I'm not saying that has anything to do with it. Uh, but two things: one, obviously the Hadobin one was a false positive, right? 
Is that what we got back? Yeah. Yeah, that's and news he, now. Re, he could and rejoin the team after getting three confirmed negatives. That's how it works? Yep. Three confirmed negative tests. And can you just do them like half an hour from one another? <laughs> I don't know on the spacing of them. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> no. He has gone longer than that. But Do you think they had rapid testing on the way into the ballpark today? I don't even know if they checked. I don't. Do they check temperatures? You know what's so funny about it's outdoors, us, Mike. It is. I can, I, tell you, I can tell you this: my my Canadian uh, friends north of the border are losing their minds just looking at it on their televisions as their Blue Jays play the Rangers. <laughs> it's just well, like and and crazy you know, town to them. It, our industry deals with Canada a lot, and Canada is looking at this pandemic in a much different way than the state of Texas is. And it's just, it really is interesting. I mean, Thanks, Mike, the Blue for Jays that. I wasn't aware. The Blue Jays <laughs> can't even play in Toronto. Like, that's how serious this is. I know. I know. And, the, I know. and then they're watching on TV going like, eh, 40,000. What's the, what's like, the big deal? It's just jacked there. It's, it is, <laughs> it's awesome. And at the same time, it, it's just strikingly, numbingly, what are they doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. it's all these things wrapped in one. It's just a great big ball of confusion in Arlington for a lot of people. But anyway, go get them. Uh, so <laughs> the, uh, the, here's the other problem though, the, the risk of the road and, and uh, our, our lovely producer can speak to this because he's on the road and you and I aren't Mike, but there, there are inherent risks this is not a bubble and you can get tested all over the place and do everything, try to stay as safe as you can and remain in your room as much as possible, but you still have to get in elevators and brush past people and who knows what's going on in the hotel at uh, the time that these players and coaches and traveling party are there. True? Yeah, very true. Uh, and obviously they've done everything they can to – create something of a mobile bubble while we're on the road. But like you said, we are interacting with people on the outside who, and you don't know who they're in contact with. So mm -hmm. it's just a, the risk is pretty exponential there, but they are obviously doing everything they possibly can short of a full bubble to mitigate that. Okay. I I'm curious about this. And I haven't asked anybody the the whole, there's a certain level of, of uh, hotel or lodging that the teams have to stay at. Like, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, so that's one. So then the, the second part of because I guess what I'm alluding to is that you can't just go to some out-of-the-way hotel and just say, hey, look, you, you got nobody staying at your hotel. How about we just take it over for three days while we're playing two games and do it that way? Because it has to be a certain level. What, what are the hotels doing? Are they, are they uh, trying as hard as they physically can to make sure that there's limited contact with the rest of the normal human beings that are there? Yeah, it's in, it's interesting this year, um, all teams have to stay at the same hotel when they're on the road. So there's all a right. standard hotel in each city. And so these hotels are completely equipped to adhere to protocols. Um, so pretty much team facilities with regards to the floors that the teams are staying on, the meal room, the testing room, meeting rooms, treatment, all that are on very specific areas of the hotel that are accessible, not through crowded, um, you, like not okay. cutting through the lobby or something like that. So each spot's very um, isolated. 
in that regards, which is good. That's very good. Yeah. You just hope the team that was just in there is clean, right? Right, yeah. And we've had uh, – it, it's – actually, we are in the same one as – if there's a city with an NBA counterpart, we're usually overlapping with the visiting NBA team. So we've seen a couple of those on the road, which has been a real thrill for me. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that how this all started with Rudy, though? Yeah, that's true. That's maybe where it higher risk. Thirteen months ago, <laughs> higher yeah. risk crossing. Well, good paths. for you. I hope you're getting lots of autographs. That's terrific for you. Though, I am. I've been you? hanging outside their meal rooms. <laughs> uh, but as far as the testing is concerned, you guys are getting that done daily, twice yeah. daily, every day uh, between usually between eight and ten a.m. Uh, is the All testing right. window. I think play there's players and anybody who's on the bench in the game. They do two tests. Um, and then all accessory staff who are not on the bench in the game do one test, but everyone's tested daily. Hmm. Is that is that nasal? Is that swab? What is, what do you do? Yeah, it's the nasal swab, but not the not the painful one. Just the barely up the nose. It's not a rectal thermometer or anything like that, right? <laughs> it's not that. No. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that that would be that would be difficult repeatedly. Well, hey, it is what it is, right? I hate to use that phrase, but that's truly that, that's it, man. It and and I guess don't get the test back immediately. So when they do come back, and if you are on the list, man, that's it, right? So in game, a player can get pulled, even though, or a coach, obviously, as we had last night. And uh, I mean, it, it, all of it is just again, it's it's so imperfect, and everyone's trying as hard as they can. But man, oh man. It, speak, it speaks to the star's bad luck, if you ask me, <laughs> because who else is getting two false positives, which is what they think this is. Yeah. But, and, and then, you know, now that affects how Rick can travel and how his preparation might be for a pretty big game Tuesday. And it's just, like I said, this whole season's just been rife with bad luck for the stars and... This Good kind of word. just falls in line with that. You don't get a lot of rife on podcasts these days. That's <laughs> excellent. Well, we saw again this weekend what happens when the stars do get hammered by COVID or injuries or whatever. It's the next man up. And Jake Ottinger was not supposed to be starting the first game in Carolina, let alone playing both of them. And he didn't just play. Uh, he excelled in both games. And the, the kid is such a pro already like he just is you watch how he goes about his business the the uh, little window that we have into it anyway but I watch goaltenders probably more intently than than other players uh his poise his improvements like if you look at at some of the stuff that he was messing up on messing up's probably too harsh but you could just tell, you know, a year from now, two years from now, he's not going to do that anymore. That shot's not going to beat him anymore. And within months, uh, he's he's fixing some of those things. So credit to the kid and and uh, credit to Jeff Reese, the Stars goaltending coach as well, as they've had time to work with one another. And th- that's impressed me, his focus, his habits, his belief in himself, uh, his want. Like, he wants to be in there. He's, this isn't a guy just like, Okay, well, fine. I'll I'll back up, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for this or not. He feels like he's ready, and he's proving it. Uh, his play has been mostly outstanding, 
Uh, his interview answers are phenomenal <laughs> from yeah. our end. Huh? Like, oh, yeah. He, oh, fantastic. Yeah, like like very, very thoughtful and articulate and uh, lengthy. Like, it's it's good stuff. He is a, a, a Henrik Lundqvist lover and said his swagger is one thing he admired. So uh, he's moving toward that. Not, and he's not cocky. I don't think Lundqvist was ever cocky no. either. I think it's just a belief in yourself and and the way you carry yourself onto the ice and into the net and around the bench, and, and uh, it, it can soothe other people. And that's important at that position. Uh, yeah, he is also ra- so mental. He is, I mean, like, it is. It's very mental. That's a good point, Mike. Well, but uh, I'm just saying, like, the Jack Campbell story of recent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to become that mentally strong at that age. And he's done a wonderful job. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think it's one of his greatest assets. It was yeah. coming out of the American program and out of BU. Uh, he's also Ray Girls approved, by the way. So he's got that going for him as well. Uh, and is, that a pre- is that a pretty tough rating system that is, there? That is. Not everybody gets that, that box checked, if you know what I mean. Uh, and it's evident why the St. Louis Blues wanted him and why Jim Nill traded up to get him right now. You, you can see it. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to anoint him as a Vezina Trophy candidate or anything <laughs> yet, but uh, this, is, this has been mucho impressive uh, from him, for, for me. Yeah, he's exceeding expectations. Is, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Man, you've got a real way with words. You should be a writer or something. How is he on the road? Uh, just a complete jerk to everybody in the traveling party. You're going to blow our bubble here now? Totes? No, yeah. See, I don't want to yeah. shatter your illusion, so I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm, <laughs> he's truly like the definition of that quiet confidence. And you can see that once he – you can just imagine a few years down the road, he's going to be a really vocal guy in the room. But he knows he knows he's not there yet um, just literally because of age and experience. But he has that belief in his abilities, and he's I'm a big fan of his. Does he take some of the mic? (laughs) Yeah, photographs well. Yeah, he's photogenic. Very. That's important in your department. What's that mic? I was going to say some of the mic'd up stuff in open ice. I don't know where that came from, but it was really good. Yeah. Show much shows how much he can joke around with veterans and how comfortable he is out there in practices and. I really enjoy that stuff from Totes. You know, That's uh, the stuff. We, yeah, we shot that mic'd up actually last week at a practice, and that gave me a really good – I mean, that always gives you a good insight into a guy, whether it's a game or just a practice, and getting to hear, you know, just 45 minutes of him out on the ice was awesome, and we're, we'll put out more of that here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Didn't you like Mike's leading lead in there where he, he fakes not knowing where that comes from so he can just tee you up? Yeah, it was yeah. well executed, Ali. Yeah, way to go. I'm go. a professional. You know what? You you know uh, you are a pro. That's everybody on this podcast is a pro. And do you know what the professional level of coffee is? Hmm. It's Dunkin' Sweet Cold Foam. It's the perfect top to the perfect Dunkin' Cold Brew. And I've told you this before. I'll remind you again here right now. DD Perks members, if you're one of those out there, you can try a medium cold brew beverage for three bucks, three dollars. That's it. A reminder that Dallas Stars run on Duncan and price and participation may vary. 
That was a professional read by me of a, a sponsor element within the podcast. Very conversational. A lot of really good stuff going on this week in the podcast. It's going to be a brief one. Uh, we went, I think, four hours and 17 minutes last week. And uh, there were all kinds of complaints about people uh, not getting to their work or their business or attending to their family uh, because they were they were locked on us for so long. So we'll try to be a little, little more succinct this week. Uh, look, Jake Ottinger went to BU. He's a terrier. So speaking of NCAA products, uh, do you want to take the the helm on this one? I'm uh, sure. I mean, I think they're both. I mean, I can go I for can, it. I you can do. leap right in with this. But well, you... I, the, I'll I'll go on Kawaguchi, the captain. Uh, they have a video out there on some of the goals. Well, why don't you he say scored. his whole name? Jordan Kawaguchi. Kawaguchi. Jordan Kawaguchi. Okay. My son. There we go. That. It's fun to say Kawaguchi. It's not so fun to say Jordan. Come on. Is yeah, he he's the, the cousin of he Devin. The... He's the cousin of Devin, Setaguchi. Right. Gucci. Is he the Gucci? You got Kawaguchi and Setaguchi. <laughs> so Gucci. Both of them so, so Gucci. Gucci. Really? Yes. It's impressive. Uh, but you watch me. He's a smaller guy, but I think that's okay in today's NHL. I mean, yeah, he's 5'9". Yeah, a lot more smaller guys. I'll succeed. fill in the details, but you keep going, Mike. I'll keep going on this one. I was going to let you uh, do all the goaltending. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's a captain of uh, North Dakota, which is... It's like being the captain of, you know, I think you said this on the radio, Alabama or, yeah. you know, UCLA and basketball. You know, one of the great programs in college hockey. So to to be that guy, you have to earn it. And and so I'm very anxious to get a chance to talk to him, spend some time with him and and uh, see what kind of leadership skills he's acquired and um, it's just, it's good. It's anytime the stars get a chance to acquire offensive talent in today's NHL is a good thing. And the other thing, and I was talking to Scott white about this, um, you know, they do it because they've had to trade away draft picks. Um, and so, you know, what they have, I think four, one year, five, the next one, they should have had seven. So this helps kind of fill that in. But at the same point in time, this also gives you NHL ready talent, and so, you know, whether he goes into the AHL and it takes him a year or not, he could be on the ice at American Airlines Center next season because he's done all of his preparation. He's, he's been through the grind. He's been through what, you know, amounts to three or four AHL seasons. And so I think it's great. I, whenever they can go get college talent like this, especially high-end college talent, I, it's a win-win for the organization. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, it, it helps supplement your draft. And, and you know, and the guys are ready. So I, I love it. And, and I think uh, Jordan Kawaguchi is going to be one of those guys who, who really could hit for them. Yeah, I'll argue a little bit against the fact that they're all NHL ready when they come out of college. They only play two games a week. And they're not playing against men. They, they haven't gone through the grind of professional hockey. Uh, so there's still a bit of a learning curve with with players that come out of college in our sport as opposed to when they come out of college to football or uh, baseball a little bit. I mean, it, baseball also has a bit of a winding road for their, their players too for the most part. College, uh, basketball, onto the pros, they can have an impact right away. But uh, North Dakota in hockey is Alabama in football. It's that's what they are. I mean, they're perennially challenging for an NCAA championship. 
Uh, I have a bit of a conspiracy theory on why they, they picked a couple of North Dakota guys. Uh, they just went with the, the laundry. They just looked and said, well, they look good in the <laughs> same colors. They'll be fine in, in Stars colors. So, same thing. Uh, second, the, the Stars had a pretty good goalie, did they not, out of uh, an alum out of UND? Yes, they did. He was, yeah. he was okay. Yeah. yeah, he was pretty good. When it mattered, he was... He was all right. He, he got the, the job kind of done. Eddie the Eagle, uh, Belfour. He I also, I think, go put with... out a Belfour bourbon for UND. I don't know oh, if it really? was for charity or something. Yeah, he, he, did a special, he did a special bourbon for them with uh, uh, the, uh, the vessel, uh, the, the jug was uh, for UND, who are now the Fighting Hawks, by the way. Hawks, they used, yeah. to be, used to be the Fighting Sioux. And uh, that was changed. I, how many? I can't remember how many years ago it's been now. Anyway, see, see, I thought you were going to go with the other famous alum, Craig Ludwig, who drank the vessel that Ed Belfort produced. <laughs> well, it's still a little bit of Luddy's, uh, uh, you know, thoughts on where all the great players come from. That still permeates around and through and and oozes out of me after having to listen to it he had to listen to me talk about all the greatness of Camus blazer hockey and i had to listen to how great north dakota fighting sioux hockey was so there you go you're right uh, i wonder whether kawaguchi's a dry sidle fan i think that's why he wears 29 have you asked know, him yet question i have why not, are you not on that i should be how about if i get on it tomorrow okay well he was a he was a scoring center there. Hopefully he can, he can add some snap in that department for the stars. His cousin, I mentioned, Devin Setaguchi, was a San Jose Shark mostly from back in the day against the stars. Uh, and then he was uh, a trade piece in the Brent Burns deal, Setaguchi was. And uh, he always had – the thing I remember about him is he always had great playoffs or, or at least great playoff games like memorable playoff games for the sharks do you remember that i don't like um, setaguchi like he he would he would maybe you know how some guys just blossom in the playoffs yes and, and they're kind of run of the mill in the regular season i i think i think that was devin setaguchi a lot of the time like able to elevate i i like that in an individual i really this do is- i think i think he's back working with their alumni in that in in uh San Jose, he had some troubles for a little bit there too, and then got uh, some assistance, and he's on a good path back there. So good for good. him. I liked him yeah. as a player. I really. I did. was going to say San Jose Sharks playoff history. I need Tom Holy for that. Well, yes. Well, and <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Tom Holy because is it is it she, it's Sheil right? Adam Sheil. Yeah, the big lanky kid from Lakewood, Ohio, which I believe is a suburb of Cleveland. Is it not? I don't know. But Tom Holyland. Sounds... I think it yes. is. I'm, I'm probably dead wrong, but I'm I'm trying. Uh, anyway, the the big netminder. He's six three. Uh, up for the Richter Award for the best goaltender in college hockey. They have a real expanded list of guys that go up for that. How many guys do they pick for the Hobie Baker now? I know it's like ten, isn't it? I don't know. Well, there's nine guys for the Richter. Yeah. Uh, as the best goalie, named after Mike Richter, the former New York Ranger. Great. Uh, and Shield's going to be remembered for 52 saves in the five overtime loss to Minnesota Duluth. 
at the end of his tenure uh, and finished up his junior year. Am I right with yes. that? Right, junior Three years year, yes. there. Yeah, yeah. I think he's only twenty one, and and Kawaguchi's twenty three. Yeah, well, they therein is where you get a more mature human being. Correct. Uh, where you know, because if you think you get a player that you drafted and he comes out of junior hockey, that player is usually twenty. If he doesn't uh, make your team immediately after you draft him, like he's going to be a high draft pick then. If you grab somebody in a second or third round or something like that, and he's North American, the Europeans can take even longer because they can hold on to them longer. Uh, but you're you're getting a relatively young human when you're drafting that way. When you sign these free agents out of college, you and it's a senior, you get a you get a young man. So uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but the, there's well, some I facts there. I think the assessment of the person is easier at 23 or 22 or, than it is at 18. And so bringing that person into your organization, I think you have a, a better idea of what you're getting as opposed to seven draft picks who are 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, but that's why you pay scouts. They're supposed to yeah. be able to figure that out, right? Yeah. And be able to uh, earmark some of the young talent for what they're going to be. I think goaltenders are the most difficult. I think you can see talent in a lot of the other positions. Goalies, who knows, at 18? At 18? You don't know. You no. don't know. But And, and I've always, because I, I came from junior hockey, I've always bristled a little bit at the college thing. Uh, they, it just always felt like they got such an advantage uh, because they're – if you if you took a, a junior player and you allowed him to play two years in the minors, and then you and then you made your evaluation then, and you just said and you looked at him then as as with fresh eyes as as your your first year in the organization, he would be a different player after two years, and they they get players that come out of college, and they are twenty two or twenty three years old. And they look at them, and and they're like, "Oh my God, there's all kinds of potential." And you're like, "Yeah, but in three years, he's going to be 26." So therein lies the rub, as they say. Now, no, as, if as I was to fan, do it all okay. over, if I was to do it all over again now, I I think I'd, I there's no doubt I would I would probably go to college. I would I would do it that way because you you get the best of both worlds. You get you get a great education, and you get to be if they don't draft you, you get to be a free agent and sign with anybody coming out of there. That, yeah. that is holding your own cards, baby. And, you know, college life ain't so bad. I don't know anything about that, Mike. I'm so focused <laughs> on being a pro. I know you probably spent your parents' money on booze and gambling and whatever else you did at college. <laughs> Do you want me huh? to make a, a very strong statement here? <sighs> sure. My... My parents were too poor to pay for college. I had to do it all on my own. Oh, my God, Mike. Way to bring us down. The uh, 72 Ranchero that carried me to Central Michigan cost $250. I had to work. Oh, my God. I had to put in There the were hours. no senior writers for DallasStars.com scholarships available <laughs> no, then? They had nothing back in the day. Your football... Your, your football abilities didn't get you anything? <laughs> yeah. 5'10", 145. Yeah, they were, they were lining up at the door for me. 
I screwed up my eligibility by staying too long in, in a major junior camp when I was like 14. Wow. Yeah, because there's rules so you really against did, that, right? Yeah, they, you didn't look even at have you, a, a They choice? look at you as being a professional. Isn't that, that – it just sucked. It was, it's the dumbest rule. Yes. But they looked I, – I, I stayed too long with the Great Falls Americans. I, I played preseason games. And they counted those. They, they looked at me. I was getting paid, they said. I mean, we made $72 every two weeks. And uh, every two weeks. And they, they said, no, you're pros. You're getting paid. And that was the end of it. Yeah, and that's they ridiculous. pulled back on all the, oh, my God, I was going to go everywhere. I was so good. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what else you got, Mike Heika, this week? How are we doing on time, Totsie? We're at about 28 minutes right now. Oh, okay. We got a couple minutes left here. <laughs> now it's the lightning round. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Now we... Okay. Uh, we've, we've covered Mission Impossible COVID protocol. Uh, what are we moving to now, Mike? Uh, my big question is the elephant in the room is the mental and physical fatigue. And I, I think we saw it on Sunday. Uh, Ottinger was fantastic, but that, that team clearly had gotten a couple of punches in the gut from... Dobby and everything else, you know, whether it was Fox or Dickinson oh, no or no doubt Hinton, you know, so then the question becomes the schedule's not letting up and how do they reset and just fight through it all? Um, but I got to tell you, I, I thought that third period was great. I thought, you know, I saw your video this morning and it, it really should be seen as a positive game. You yeah. know, as much as they got out shot and That's why I you know, said it. Their, their character was really strong. And, and maybe that's the sign that we need going forward that they can handle this. You know, they handled it in the bubble. Maybe they can handle right. this terrible schedule as they go down the stretch and try and get in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they had every reason to just lay down yeah. and get trampled yesterday. And they tried for a little while in the second <laughs> period. And Ottinger, combination of Ottinger and... Some really uh, just imbecilic puck decisions and shooting by Carolina fed into it a little bit too. Uh, they they were not overly crisp with what they were trying to do. They had the puck a lot, uh, but they they didn't do all that much with it. And the Stars had the you know they had the old phalanx thing going on, right? They just dropped back into into coverage in the middle of the rink in their own zone. They didn't have the energy to chase anybody and, uh, and just held tight uh, in there and survived and bent but didn't break. And then once they got into the third period, uh, I said it after, after the uh, 40 minutes and we're in intermission. I've seen this before. I've lived it. I've been in those rooms. You get a team that's thrown everything they can at you and they got very little out of it. They did get a goal. We came in the first minute, but they couldn't get anything else. They, they're not going to do that again. They, 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 they are just not going to muster up the same thing in the third. And it, it opens a little crack, a little window where you think to yourself, okay, let's get our energy back. Let's push a little bit here. And who knows? Maybe we get a bounce or we get on the power play or something and we get this back even and we stun these guys. Uh, with a third period rally, a comeback on Easter, if you can believe it. And, uh, and then uh, they, they just, you know, Morazic was good too. That's the other part of it. It wasn't yeah. like they didn't generate anything. Like Peter Morazic was, 
was sensational for a guy that hadn't played in forever uh, and posts another shutout, which is just crazy. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I thought I mean they just had guys playing out of position and guys playing too much and guys getting trapped out on the ice for three minutes when your normal shift is about forty five seconds. That's where they'd like to keep it at or under, uh, and you don't recover from those things. And yet they plowed on and and tried to get something out of it. That that says a lot about them. I think yeah. their character and their core and and their desire. So. Good on them. Yeah. But and I, unfortunately, you're, you're, they get nothing out of it. <laughs> they yeah. have nothing. I, I said this. Uh, tell me if you believe this. Now we're starting to get long. This is, this is garbage. Thanks Why a lot, Mike. We, we can go to 35. We can go to 35. I said this, though. Who knows what's going to happen here on May 10th, right, when the season comes to a conclusion. Let's say the Stars do get in. There's a chance they could play Carolina. Yeah. So... I thought by doing what they did yesterday and, and the day before in, in beating them, but certainly yesterday, I think you send a bit of a message to the other side there that, hey, if we meet in the playoffs, like you may finish with 20 f- more points than us, but we, we are never going to go away. And if you think we're going to be uh, an easy out by some stretch of the imagination, you're, you're sorely wrong. And I, I thought they they slammed that right in their face yesterday. Yeah, and I, I think you know I'm Mr. Sunshine, and okay, what if Sagan's back? What if Bishop's back? What if your Radulov's back? Now yeah. you're looking at them going like, yeah, we can handle this team. So not only are you sending them that message, you're sending it to yourself that yeah, we can go, we can beat Florida, we can beat Tampa, we can beat Carolina. We're that good. Either that or those guys come back in and then everyone thinks it's going to be easier and then you do get plowed. <laughs> nah, that would never happen. Come no, on, Daryl. No, I know. You're right. <laughs> I, I'll say this, though. All the talk about Dougie Hamilton being a, a Norris candidate should stop after watching that grenade launch festival from him late in the game. Every time he got the puck, he just gave it to Dallas. It was unbelievable. For a guy that is that talented with the puck, it was just like Peter Panic set in every time. He must have turned the puck over six or seven times in the last four minutes of the game. I was like, uh, man, I, this, this is going to turn out great at some point here, but it never did. I think that's a, that's a problem with every offensive defenseman. I mean, Brent Burns, John Klingberg. Not to that degree. Well, oh no, that God. was bad. That was bad. Oh, my I God. I was shocked so, watching it. Yeah. Like, shocked. And I don't get that shocked, Mike. Okay, very quickly. Uh, I, I thought, it, I thought about this just, I wanted to do it. So indulge me. What if shootouts were ties? So you just, just ties. don't, you, nobody you gets just an don't extra go point. to a shootout. I'm fine with yeah. that. Okay. We all think, oh, that would be much better, right? Oh my God. That'd be so much better. And that, that's Bones view of them, right? He talks about how they're essentially ties. Yes. Yeah, and I agree contest. with them. I mean, you get into a little you know, breakaway contest that's not has nothing to do with coaching or the game that was played or anything. It just gives you a conclusion. So how would the standings be impacted? Hmm. My guess is you've done the research. I have, because that's why I'm a level of you, Mike, on the podcast, <laughs> because I do, I do the research. I'm going to say it's two or work. three levels. <laughs> I put on the black gloves. Okay. Just like in Step Brothers. So Carolina has the second most uh, shootout wins, 
Did you know that? I did not. Do you know who has the most? Mm. One guess. No idea. Well, that's you're wrong. It's not no idea. They're not even in the league yet. So Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, Totsi, do you know? No, it's not Minnesota. Totsi? Uh, Stab? Nashville? No. It's San Jose. They have five. Uh, and they would, you know, you take those away, and they're not even close to chasing down a playoff spot out there in the Pacific. But Carolina has four. And uh, Nashville has three. Uh, so you start subtracting these, right? So you go, okay, minus four for Carolina, minus three for Nashville, and then everything else is <clears> – <throat> excuse me, I'm getting choked up on this. Uh, <laughs> everything else is pretty close. Like Chicago would be minus two, Colum- uh, Columbus minus two, Florida minus one, Tampa minus one, Dallas minus one. Detroit hasn't – they don't have any. They haven't gone to a shootout. Is that true? I don't know. I'm the one that did the research. I'm going to say it is. <laughs> so – if, that, if that's the case, the Stars would be three back instead of five points back. That's it. And Carolina wouldn't have 50 points yet because they, you know, you'd subtract four yeah. points from that. It's all math. It's arithmetic. Or so, they could just win the shootout. I mean, there's that option. There is no shootout. That was the point. That's the premise, Mike. <laughs> oh. Anyway, long way to go for uh, the fact that the Stars' record, if uh, there were ties, would be 12, 18, and 6. That would be it. There you go. If, if shootout wins and shootout losses are actually ties. It's, it is what it is. And it wouldn't have that much of a bearing. So that's over with. By the way, I'll leave you on this one. The Central Division is the only division with three teams, uh, 700 or better in points percentage. Are you aware of that? Uh, only, I've heard only division. I've heard the story that uh, those three teams are fighting for best record in the NHL. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I did hear that story as well. Look at us. We know everything. Totsi, we're about to leave. You good with that? I'm good with that. Okay. They have two in Chicago, uh, which is a prelude to the final two regular season games in Chicago. Am I not correct with that? Correct. Yeah, I am correct with that. So, bang. Totsi, you've been terrific this week. Good insight on the COVID front. You stay safe, okay? Avoid all other humans. I will. As you, I'll continue to. As you cruise around Chicago. They have COVID there too, you know. They do. I will yeah. be careful. Yeah. Don't be and hanging out with those NBA players. Yeah, no. stay away from the NBA. <laughs> And uh, when you get back here, as we pointed out at the beginning, after watching baseball, there is none here. It's over. So that's good. Uh, Thanks for listening to our rinky-dink drivel this week. And thanks, as always, to Duncan for keeping us running. See you next week.